Well, thanks again for being here this morning. I want to show you a picture I took the other day. And some of you may recognize where this is. This is at the chapel at Bethany's Green Lake location. How many of you have been to the chapel? Some of you spent a lot of time there in college or kind of in formative years of your faith, so I hope this picture and a couple of other ones kind of uh, jog your memory a little bit. Uh, Many of us have maybe never been to this place. This is the original sanctuary at Bethany over uh, just north of Green Lake. It's a wonderful place. And the reason I took this picture is I was over there for some meetings the other day, and I've been trying to practice this as I get ready for sabbatical, where if I start to feel like I just need to slow down for a minute, if I just need to, like, catch my breath, I've been trying to listen to that and either pause wherever I am and just sit or just, you know, take a moment, or, like, when I'm somewhere where I know there's some beautiful things I can go and reflect on, I'll just go there. And so I came into the, set, the chapel at Bethany Green Lake, and I started to look at these beautiful stained glass windows. We have, obviously, some wonderful stained glass windows here that the people of Inglewood put in many years ago. These stained glass windows have been a part of Bethany's history since we moved into this building in 1960s. And what they are is they are depictions of some of Jesus's I am statements. So I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. That's what this one here is, John 17. And I offer this as just kind of a point of reflection as we begin today. One of the reasons that I feel so grateful to serve at Bethany Community Church, and I think one of the reasons many of you are here, is throughout all the years, we have continued to be a church that is centered on who Jesus is. His very words adorn our places of worship. We are not a denominational church, but we are a church that tries our best to focus on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Many of you were a part of this movement in the early 2000s, early 2010s to help plant churches that carry this kind of DNA, this Christ-centered DNA, into new places. We knew we couldn't just stay at Green Lake, so we needed to expand. And so some of you were there when we started meeting at the Brammer's house in 2013. I wasn't even there yet. I didn't come until 2015. But I point all this out to say it is in our DNA to gather around the Good Shepherd. And my hope, as I kind of say farewell for now and hope and bless you guys for the summer that you have, is that you too will continue in this history and tradition that we have at Bethany of being near to the Shepherd. The actual uh, image of the Good Shepherd Uh, I am statement is is right here. And so I just stood there in front of this for a little while when I was at the sanctuary, just reflecting on the goodness of our shepherd. The very next day, the tragedy in Uvalde, Texas unfolded. And throughout that week, I needed the shepherd. Our world needed the shepherd. Think about your summer. Think about what you have planned. Have you thought about how you need the shepherd? how he will comfort you, how he will challenge and convict you, how he will move you along, because shepherds aren't just nice to sheep. Shepherds look out for the well-being of the sheep. Shepherds will keep them from harm and danger. They will put themselves in a position of sacrifice for the sake of their flock. So I want to offer just kind of two very brief words of encouragement as we uh, step into this sermon together this morning from the text that Mark read for us. I want us to consider the call to sacrifice and the call to invitation. The 
call to sacrifice and the call to invitation. Now, let's define our terms. Y'all know I love to do this. What do we mean when we say sacrifice? The verb form of sacrifice is this, to surrender or give up, to permit injury or disadvantage to for the sake of something else. I love that latter part of it, for the sake of something else. In other words, if you are in a posture of sacrifice, you will take a punch, you will take a blow, you will absorb an injury or take on a disadvantage so that someone else can have the advantage. We don't really like to live like that on the east side. Most Western Americans, we don't like to do this because if we truly sacrificed ourselves for others, we wouldn't have to worry about paying them back. Maybe you've had this experience before where you've met someone for lunch and, you know, you feel being generous, so you pick up the tab, right? And they say, hey, 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 I'll get you back next time, right? And I think particularly where we live in a competitive, highly, highly, highly motivated society, that idea that we owe someone means they have power over us. And for most of us, that's not an acceptable premise under which we want to live. But here's the crazy thing. That's the premise of the gospel, In Jesus Christ, he has surrendered his power. He has taken the blow. He has been to the cross for us so that we can experience something else. Freedom, grace, mercy. He says so himself in the passage, therefore, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. This is my identity, Jesus says. This is core to who I am. And notice He doesn't say to the disciples, he doesn't say to the people listening to him, now, here's how you're going to earn this. Here's how you're going to get even Stevens with me and be fair and square. Nobody standing before Jesus when he said these words deserved what he gave them. Nobody had studied for the exam and passed it with flying colors. Nobody had stayed up all night writing the code to run this program. Every single person who has heard this message has received it as a gift of grace because that's what it is. And if you feel a resistance to that in your spirit, make no mistake, that is our culture. That is the world around us telling us, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't just receive a gift. Then you'll owe someone. Then you won't have enough power. What about your agency? What about your free will? Well, what if there's much more freedom in receiving the sacrifice of the shepherd? What if there's something far greater for you and I to experience than just owing someone or being even Stevens? There is nothing to be owed to Jesus Christ because he already has it all. He has our life. He made our lives. He was there at creation. So when we return our life to him, we're simply giving him back what he already has. And he has asked that of us for our freedom. So what do we do with this? Like, okay, sacrifice, great, Travis. What does this mean? Listen to what the author of Hebrews has to say. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. Did you know you were doing that just a moment ago, church? You were offering a sacrifice of praise. You were giving your voices to God, and it made him so happy to hear you sing to him. Let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. What kind of sacrifices do you want to see, Jesus? Do good and share with those in need. Kind of sounds like love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is just like an updated, maybe more applicable version of that as a response to the cross, as a response to the goodness of the gospel. Church, 
when we come back in the fall and if I hear y'all speaking the words of the gospel to each other and proclaiming the gospel over each other and encouraging each other in the gospel, I'll be a very happy pastor. I really hope that this summer you find new ways to live into this sacrificial way of living. Not as a response to try to make things even between you and God, but as a response to the gift of grace. And guess what? The gift of grace sounds way better as a choir than it does as a soloist. Look around you. These are the people who are in your choir. These are the people who will sing these praises to God with you throughout the summer. These are the people who will serve with you at schools when we serve with Community Serve Day and Jubilee Reach Serve Day in August. I won't be here for those things, but when you go out and you sacrifice and you give and you do good and you share with those in need, and make no mistake, our schools, as wonderful as they are, they are in need. When you do these things, not as acts of earning, but as a response to the gospel, oh man, the Father's heart is delighted. He delights in you, Bethany. He delights in you right now. But what a greater delight for you, for the people you love, for our community, if we live into this. This summer, I want you to be asking of yourself, praying, and asking of our leaders, asking of our leadership team, Megan and Stephanie, our staff, how can I help? That is one way that you can sacrifice. Is not simply coming to church, but by being the church, by investing in the church, by being a part of it. When we say, hey, we need someone to help with our kids. We need someone to help with worship. We need someone to help make our coffee. Would you say, yes, I can do that. I'm happy to help as a response to the gospel. When we have opportunities to serve in our community, like those serve days I mentioned, get on board, sign up, make it happen. And then when we give generously through our finances, when we let money be what money is supposed to be, a tool, not a power over us, when we say to this consumeristic culture, no, actually, I'm going to give my money so that God can do things through the church and through me, man, then you're really setting yourself free. Then you're really enjoying the freedom of the gospel. Let me encourage you, church, to be generous, to continue to be generous with your tithes and offerings. Our fiscal year closes August 31st. It's been a tight year. I would love for us to be able to finish strong and start our new fiscal year on a good footing, and I hope you can be a part of that. The second consideration I would offer, so we have sacrifice. Now let's talk about invitation. Where does this come from? Look at verse 16 in the text with me. Jesus says this, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. Wait, what? There are other, other sheep, other creatures, other beings that are supposed to be here that aren't here yet? Yes, church, they are not yet here. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The good shepherd is always on the lookout for those who are not here yet. Always. The church I love this. This is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The church can only be the church when it exists for the sake of others. The church can only be the church when it exists for the sake of others. Yes, we should worship. Yes, we should have Bible studies. We should care for each other in this room, but we cannot. We will be inept. We will be like a, a pool that has no outflow. We will become stagnant if we do not think about others. And this is what our shepherd does. This is not get more numbers and fill in all these seats, although that would be lovely. It is because sheep get lost. And a lost sheep is struggling. A lost sheep might not make it. 
The Holy Spirit, when it was poured out over the people of God, it wasn't just for that group of people. Otherwise, none of us would be here. It was for the whole world to hear and respond to the gospel. And God is constantly using the Holy Spirit's work in your life and my life to say to you, what about my coworker? And what about my neighbor? And what about that nurse that helped me on my last operation? And what about this? And what about that? Those are not random questions. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and mind. Jesus talked about this in one of his famous parables, brief parables. This is from Matthew 18. Jesus said this, if a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders away. What does he do? He calculates the cost-benefit analysis, makes sure that the capital invested in this search and rescue mission is appropriate to what he's going to be able to get back, right? What's his ROI? None of that. No. Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out and search for the one, the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my Heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Every one of us is here because someone took this seriously. You and I are here, living, breathing, in Christ Jesus, because somebody said, I need to tell Teresa about the gospel. I need to tell Megan about the gospel. I need to tell Jared about the gospel. I've told you guys about my mentor, Trey who was my Bible study leader all through middle school and high school. Trey and pizza rolls go hand in hand for me. If you haven't had pizza rolls, they're a wonderful way to get middle school boys to show up for something. They're fabulous. Trey was so consistent. He showed up for us. And so when the time came in my life, when I could ask that question, why should I believe? What is it that Jesus Christ actually has to offer? Trey was there. And I could trust him. And I knew that I could ask that question. Our world is hungry for the places to ask those questions. Will you, church, show up for that one lost sheep? Will you? Will you be responsive and receptive when someone from way out of left field comes up to you and says, look, I don't know what to do with this, but I, I'm really wrestling with some stuff. Can I talk to you about it? Will you say, uh, you know, I gotta go do the thing? Or will you stay and listen? And be receptive. I can't tell you how stunning it was for me last week in the wake of the tragedy in Uvalde to have people approaching me from all, all, all different corners of life. Neighbors, parents on my kids' baseball team. I talked about this last week. And they wanted to talk about their pain. And could you be in a similar position? I believe so. Will you hear it? I'm not saying I did it perfectly, but at the very least, God gave me the ability to be present with these people and say, tell me about what you're feeling. How many amazing conversations can start with that? Tell me about what you're feeling. Tell me what you're experiencing right now. No, I'm not going to give you some pat answer about this tragedy, but I will sit with you in your pain. And in the right way and at the right time and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I will tell you there is a shepherd who cares. In the midst of tragedy, there is a shepherd who cares. There is a shepherd who is with you. And if you don't yet know him, let me tell you about him and what he's able to do for me. Are we content for shallow, surfacey conversations with lost sheep? Potentially saying to them, I'm okay with you not knowing Jesus Christ and having a Christless eternity. Are we okay with that? I hope not. Are we hopeful that they will meet the shepherd 
and find real comfort in tragedy? Or are we just going to say, you know what, like, I don't want to have that conversation right now, and then we just watch people do this and just keep scrolling their life away. Is that what we want? I don't think the one who leaves the 99 and goes after the one is content to have people just sit there and scroll. I think he wants the lost sheep to come. And he has asked us to play a part in that. What part might you have? What conversation might be just sitting on your doorstep waiting for you to engage? I mentioned this earlier, but I think this is an amazing opportunity around invitation. When we do these wild, crazy things like rent out the zoo, it is not just to say, look at how great Bethany is. It is to say, look, let us sit together in a wonderful place and worship Christ and invite our neighbors in. This is a tool for you, church, to use. And say to people, look, come join me at the zoo. It's great. We'll look at penguins. It's going to be awesome. Whatever your favorite animal is. I'm kind of partial to ring-tailed lemurs. I've always thought those were really cool. Go there. Invite people. Here's the thought that I had. I'm going to come back in September with my family. And I know most of you, and I, I, I love you, but what if I'm able to come back in September and there are just a few faces in here where I go, I don't recognize that person. And I start talking to them, and they go, oh yeah, Tyler, uh, th- Tyler and Faith, they invited us to the zoo. And I go, really? Did you see the ring-tailed lemurs? <laughs> what if? Would you dream with me about that? Would you picture in these seats around you someone that you just invited to the zoo, and lo and behold, they started coming to your small group, and then they were here for worship with us, and they helped serve in the schools. What an amazing trajectory that would be, church. What an incredible gift God might give you. Not just me. Give you, give his church, to make room for more people in this place. How will we do this? The Holy Spirit will empower you to do it. Jesus has promised that. If you haven't yet thought about church at the zoo next week, I would encourage you, grab one of those flyers on your way out, post it where you can see it, and just pray over that opportunity this week. Pray over the shepherd's call to you, personally, to find that lost sheep and to bring him in. Jesus, when he brought his disciples together, he didn't just bring them in for fun and for zoos, although he probably would have if there had been zoos at the time. He brought them in to be in fellowship with him. And one of the most intimate places that that fellowship was expressed was at the communion table. So we're going to turn our attention now to coming to a time of communion. And I invite you to pray with me as we prepare our hearts to receive this good meal. Gracious God, thank you for this meal of bread and juice. It is your gift. As the gospel is your gift, as the cross is your gift. Thank you. Would we come to this table now ready to receive what you want to offer? This bread and this juice, it's, it, these are simple elements, and yet you use them for powerful purposes in the world. So set apart this time and use it for your glory. We ask in the name of Christ. Amen. The good shepherd gathers his sheep, and he doesn't just gather them, he cares for them. And one of the ways Jesus expressed care and concern for those in his life is he sat at table with them. And so on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he was sitting at table with his disciples, and he took bread and he broke it, and he offered it to them. 
And he said, take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this and remember me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup and he poured out this cup of the Passover that his disciples would have known and recognized, but then he did something different. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for each of you for the forgiveness of sins. He made an offering of his body and blood, a sacrifice so that they might live. And as the Apostle Paul later writes, as often as we eat this bread, as often as we drink from this this cup, we proclaim with our bodies the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ until he comes again, and he will come again. But we wait until that day with gracious anticipation, and we taste a bit of the kingdom when we come to the table. So, some instructions for coming to the table. Please come down the center aisle and make your way back to your seats along the right. You'll receive either our regular elements, which are uh, on the left and on the right. In the center is gluten-free elements, and it's clearly labeled with gluten-free on there. Uh, Kids are welcome at this table. We do want kids to have conversations with their parents about what communion is and why it's important. And Stephanie has done an amazing job with her team of creating some lessons for that. We want to err on the side of this table being open. So if you are ready to, if you've talked uh, with your kids about this, please have them come forward. And if you have questions about that, please let me know. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us come to the table of Jesus Christ and receive all that he has to offer. When you're prayerfully ready to do so, please come forward. You can uh, take the cup back to your seat and eat the bread whenever you're ready. And then please hold your cup, hold the cup until the very end, and we will drink the cup together. Let us worship Christ here at the Lord's Supper.